Hey everyone, I'm George Savarikas. And I'm Harold Varner. And we're the co-host of Ripping It. Before we start this week's episode, we want to give a shout out to a couple of our very special sponsors. Harold, this is the ultimate backyard game, especially if you're a golfer. Chippo, I've played it with buddies. It is the perfect game when you're outside just enjoying the summer. Yeah, it's going to be fun for obviously my kids soon and obviously for adult beverages. <laughs> Nothing better than to have a few of those on the line as you're making some bets with buddies. If you want to get your own Chippo, we have the special promo code ripping it for 15% off. Go to chippogolf.com. Harold, I know I personally suck at putting and couldn't be more excited to put the perfect practice to use. I know there are a number of guys on tour have used it. Yeah, it's a pretty cool thing. Obviously, I think everyone has it in their house. It's uh it's a really cool thing to just get people. You know, obviously, I love gambling on it. Um, there's no gambling at Bushwood, but it's a great, fun feature of the household. The perfect practice is a need if you're just starting at golf, recreational guy like myself, even for pros on the PGA Tour. We have a special promo code to get you 15% off. It's ripping it. Go to perfectpractice.golf to get yours today. Folks, thank you for joining us. I'm George Samarikis. Harold Varner. Show is called Ripping It. We're partnering with Pro Bible. It is finally time to press go. George Savarikis alongside Harold Varner III. Hello and welcome into episode number 10 now of Ripping It. George Savarikis with HV3 coming off a major week. They say often that there's a major hangover from a major week, but I know, Harold, you and I both had long weeks. I was doing play-by-play for uh, ESPN+. Plus. I actually had Brooks Kepka and Phil Mickelson, uh, so I was on the call watching Lefty march towards his sixth major. You were actually in the trenches. Uh, for 72 holes at Kiowa Island on the ocean course. Before we talk about what Mickelson did at 50, which is absolutely incredible, your biggest takeaway from your week uh, at the ocean course? Um, I mean, obviously the hospitality was unbelievable. Um, I guess this is the first major, I guess, where it's been pretty wide open today. I had a few yeah. fans at Augusta. so no, but This was the first one where it started feeling yeah, like you could hear the yeah. roars again and – so yeah. it was awesome. It was great. Um, it was close to home. Just a long walk, man. Uh, I'm pretty beat <laughs> right now. Um, so just trying to uh, regroup. It was it was tough. It was just, um, you know, there's a lot of shots where you're like, all right, um, if I don't hit this one good, it's Sayonara. <laughs> so it's, uh, it was great. I just – I enjoy playing close to home. Like, I mean, it's only three, three and a half hours away. Had a great time. Stayed at a – uh a guy that's on our boards a couple up the street stay at their house in cuba and we we had a good time it was they have two kids that are 20 and 18 and they came down it was just pretty funny just to hang with them uh it was it was good was it more of a grind physically or mentally when you're facing a layout like that in an environment like that I don't know. My allergies were really bad. So on Sunday, I had the worst headache ever, like right in my forehead. So I don't know if that was made me more tired, but I just didn't. I just didn't think the allergies were that bad. And then all of a sudden, it was just like, 
don't know. It hurt so bad. So it was, I think it was a little bit of both. Um, I mean, we're walking. It's not like we're, it took forever to play. That part was terrible. I mean, it's just the course is so hard. So it's just hard to sit there and be like, we're going to get around there in four hours. So just, uh, it's pretty cool to just see, you know, Phil talking about folks. And yeah, it was pretty hard to focus um, just for that long. So I thought that was pretty, it got a little bit better when we got to twosomes, which was, you know, mm-hmm. But we still waited. I mean, when do you ever wait in twosomes? Uh, it's crazy. For sure. But, I, I mean, it makes sense with just how that course is laid out, especially the 17th being the toughest hole on the course. That's got to be the only – that's the only layout I've seen where a par three is the hardest hole, and that was every day. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't surprise me either there or uh, I would think uh, – I would think 17 at um, – PJ National would be up there as well, but that place is a nightmare. Yeah, it was uh, it was hard. I mean, just the prevailing wind. You know, the first three days just made it so tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, it played more. Obviously, you could tell by the scores on the last day. It just played a little bit more fair. Like felt like you could get some more opportunities. Um, so yeah, it was good. I'm just uh, I wish I would have played better. Obviously, but wasn't lack of effort. How was commentating at, at home? It was actually kind of badass. Uh, really? ESPN sent the at-home studio setup, and then uh, yeah, it was like really early because I did the kickoff coverage on Thursday. Uh, so Michael Collins, we had him on our like pregame show as me, Scott Replant, Ned Michaels. Uh, but had to be up at five fifteen a.m. Was checking in at six a.m. on air seven a.m. to seven p.m. Uh, oh my god! Within eight minute break uh in between the morning and afternoon wave but we had mickelson uh thursday saturday sunday so basically thursday saturday sunday i was doing in essence doubles friday that i did a half shift uh but getting to do featured group which was such a neat experience because you all we did was watch on sunday phil and brooks all 18 holes, every shot, and you're listening in to the player caddy conversations. So as a commentator, I mean, you're watching the entirety of the round, every moment, basically. And as a viewer, it's rare that you get to see the final group and actually hear all those discussions as they're getting ready to execute shots instead of cutting from Harold nearly having a hole-in-one on the front nine and then cutting to a different shot. Uh, you're actually getting all the build-up conversations on those guys talking through, okay, what what club am I pulling? What's the hurt here? Uh, where am I starting this? So that part was was pretty neat. I mean, it's the course to have. There's a lot of conversation on that course. <laughs> oh, for sure. I, there's a ton of conversation. It seemed like almost every shot you would hear 15 to 30 seconds worth of, of chat before a guy would pull a club. I mean, good on them because by the time they get done chatting, my ball's already in the air. <laughs> hit it already. <laughs> <laughs> what was the buzz like as Phil got off to the start and then Thursday, Friday, he's the co-leader? So, which was weird. I So, I left. Yeah, so I finished at three-something. And I just, like, you know, got my car, left, whatever. And I was driving home. The left whole- is in Sunday? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. It, it, there was just people yelling the whole time, you know, like, I don't know. It seemed pretty normal to me. Uh, it felt pretty good to just hear people yelling, you know, like, you know, Phil's obviously a favorite. So it's just like, 
I mean, he could be shooting a hundred and people are like, fail, 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 you know, like whatever. So I didn't think it was out of the norm. You know, I've played with him at the Wells Fargo. So I kind of knew what, you know, what that would be like. So it's, it's just kind of weird. Cause like the, they had the, around the putting green, it was so far away. So it's like, it was good for like the players, but like, you know, it's so windy. It's hard to even hear like people in general. Um, you could be standing next to someone and it'd be hard to talk to them, like have a normal conversation. So, I mean, I'm sure it was pretty cool. I just wish I would have got to see it like live, like watch it happen. Like I only saw like what was on social media when I got home. And so that kind of sucked actually. I what, ab what about, uh, I mean, he posts five under Friday early. Any chatter on property, on the range, looking at leaderboards, talking about it. I mean, it was a crazy story to have a 50-year-old leading a major, and then he was in that spot all four days. So you could tell Saturday uh, into Sunday that, I mean, he and Brooks were going to be basically going toe-to-toe. -to -toe. So I teed off so early that, you know, I wasn't there. You know, I teed off at 8.20 on Saturday, and then we we're opposite waves on Thursday and Friday. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm, when I'm telling you the wind was blowing that much, mm -hmm. like you really didn't – I don't. I didn't talk to anyone on the range. I mean, Got it. Like it was like it's it's just not ideal for just talking and in those situations when it's that hard I don't I like talking but I don't really want like to you say you're, you're like I'm <laughs> trying to figure out how to like how am I going to because the goal is just to get off to a good start when the prevailing wind you know like number one turns in like you know I hit three iron the last day and the first two days you know you're hitting driver you know like so it's just a different. It's a different ball game, you know. You just want to be prepared to freaking play well, and I, kn I knew I had to play well, and I freaking came out of the gates good on Friday, and then just didn't. Those last four or five holes, man, insane. Um, so I just, I, I, I'm sure there was some buzz. I literally was not around him, and then I, when the chance I had to be around, like at the end, I, I left to go home because you know I was home right after it finished i got home at like eight o'clock or something like that so it was it was really cool to see the craziest part is is like when tiger won i cried when phil won it was like you know i just keep getting goosebumps like i woke up this morning i'm like that guy's old as fuck you know and he just won so it's just uh it's a you know i i saw someone tweet last night um i said which wins better tiger or phil and i just think that's like that's so shit like you know, it's just totally different. Obviously, the field is way stronger at the PGA. I think both of them have their own, you know, one's bad on injuries, one's been good forever. And I think those two have made our game where I can make a lot of money and make a living. So I respect both of them for how they go about it. They've been nothing but professional on the golf course to where we, you know, my generation reaps the rewards. 100%. And those are the two guys who moved the needle the most in professional golf tiger is in his own stratosphere i think if you're really getting into the debate with tiger's injuries that's the more amazing story and just the tigers played golf at the highest level we've ever seen but the scenes were so similar on 18 uh with phil walking up the fairway and getting engulfed and tiger at the tour championship i mean if you put the side by side they almost look identical
Yeah, uh, I saw a few of those. I thought it was – I mean, it was so cool. I just think that in this world we live in, if you ask me that question and I say Tiger, they'll say I have a narrative. Like, that's what happened. It actually Yeah, no, Twitter. I get so it. I just think it's – I think it's so funny. I, they're I, both I amazing to, moments. I wanted to clear the air. Like, I mean, I'm sure, like, when Jack won in 86, it was, like, insane. But yeah. to me, something that would have beat all that was if uh, Tom Watson would have beat Stuart Singh. Yeah, that would have been the best – so five, I, five, I, I sit here and I'm like, I want to like comment and be like, yeah, it's Tiger because I cried. I mean, that's the reason I play golf. I got you. But like, but you know, both of them are just in their different way. I mean, it was definitely harder to win the PGA. Like, no one's arguing that. But like, I just don't want to sit here and debate on two people that have literally changed my life. You know, it's that sounds so stupid. Hey, man, totally thanks, fair. Tiger. You're the reason I play golf. Phil, thanks for. I mean, Phil gave me a putting lesson. You know, like didn't have to called me and he like, hey, work on this, blah blah. So like, both of them have been involved in my life, and I'm super thankful for it. What was the putting lesson? How did that come he about? He told me to. Well, we played together in the Wells Fargo, and I he told me to put some loft on my putter, and it just made a it made a huge difference. So I always play with like four degrees of loft on my putter because I play a little forward press. So you know, the, the both of them take the time to give me advice and whether they win again or not, I don't really give a shit. They, they've won a lot already. They've done, we don't, they don't have anything else to prove. And that's what I'm tired of in sports in general is that like, no matter what someone does, they always have to prove something else. And I just don't get that. I mean, the guy's won 50 times. He won, you know, like, Hey man, you know, same thing with Tiger. He's won a hundred times and he's over here like battling, you know, almost died and we're like worried about, is he going to play golf again? Like, shut up, dude. He changed the game. Like, just shut up. Well, of course you want to be worried about his health first, but the other part of it is like Phil said on, uh, I saw in live from last night that he's intrinsically motivated. So a lot of it is he's pushing himself. He, he doesn't have anything to prove except to himself. <laughs> yeah. But the media doesn't say that. Obviously he want, he's motivated just like Kevin's talking about, like he's motivated. Like, just because he's motivated doesn't mean he has to win, like to please your needs. And the questions are always about, like, are they going to win again? Are they? I, I just don't. I don't get caught up in that anymore. Because, like, to be honest with you, in thirty years, I probably won't remember that Phil won this tournament. So it's, <laughs> I don't know. That's just the way it is. You all remember? I mean, I think I'll always remember. I, I can't. I couldn't remember. There's only one tournament I remember, and I didn't even watch it. And the only reason I remember is I have a signed flag from him, and that's the 97 Masters. And the only reason I really know about it is because every being black and being on the PJ Tour, that's all they ask me is like, where were you? Uh, well, I don't know. I didn't watch it. You know, I was seven years old. So that, you know, you're when you're reminded of it, every time you get asked a question, it's easy to remember. But, like, I can't tell you on the 98 Masters. I can't tell you on the 99 Masters. I mean, these that's a pretty big tournament, I would say, right? Yeah, no Marco Mera, 98, Jose Morillo, Pablo, 99. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I, I just don't yeah. care to know. Um, that's not important to me. Never has been. I just want to play there and experience it and have, you know, my own story about it to be able to, you know, I want to have a chance to win there. So, like, I don't know. I just never really have been into, like, the history of the game because it's history. There's a How future no, I get some people are wired where I, I, I'm a history nerd, so I find it fascinating. A lot of my career is dependent on me having that yeah, knowledge for the game. talk about it, too, every day. For like, sure. I, I get tired of talking about it. Like, I get it. It's your office. I mean, I don't play a ton of golf these days just because I get burned up working at a golf course for my career. So there are time, stretches where I'm off. Yeah. I, I don't want to go 
play golf for five, six hours. And there are other stretches where if I go on a buddy's golf trip, I want to play that's different, uh, though. six buddy's rounds in four days or whatever. Yeah, but those are but I, those are and I know like Brooks, who was in the final group, he's not a big history of the game guy. So it's not, if you ask him some golf nerd question, like who won the 2002 Masters, uh, I don't think he's going to know that off the top of his head. That was Tiger, by the way. Uh, what was... was <laughs> what? How surprised were you by, when Phil said, "Hey, man, I would like to help you with a putting lesson"? Like, I, not, I don't. I'm not surprised at all because I think that I think the older guys are like keen to helping young. I mean, they're keen to helping younger guys, especially if they want help. And so I, I wasn't surprised. I was surprised that he didn't answer his phone the first time I called, and he had this voicemail of Jim Nance on there. He's like, "If you're trying to reach the blah blah blah, all the years he won the Masters." <laughs> and I thought he did it on purpose. So what a wanker. So I uh, I thought that was pretty funny. He's like, hey, call me. So I call him and he doesn't answer. And it goes to voicemail and it plays that voicemail. And I was like, you did that on purpose. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not. That's I, so good. I think I have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Even though I use my mouth a lot, I think you you can listen, you can learn. And I've always been about that. I don't know everything but I choose to ask every question I can, you know, sometimes get an answer, sometimes not. Any <laughs> funny Phil shit talking stories playing? Together? Yeah. Uh, so I played with the Wells Fargo, Fargo and I shoot, I'm playing with him and Jason day. And uh, gosh, this one's good. I don't even know if I'm gonna get it right, but it's pretty funny. And Ray's caddying. And so he calls yeah. me that night after Thursday and I'm putting and he's like, you know, you could be the first ever to shoot you know, whatever I'm at and make the cut on the number. And I get to the next tee, I hit my ball. I'm like, I'm like, so when he says, I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> and we get to the next tee, I'm walking off the fairway or walking off the tee box. And Ray goes, you know, he's full of shit right now. Right. I was like, what? And he's like, everything he just said was just to blow you up. So you'd feel like you could make the cut. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was hilarious. Cause like, I thought he was surreal and Ray and Phil were like, you know, yeah, just, yeah, get them going, you know. So I thought it was pretty funny. That's I, awesome. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't know. I've had great experiences with, uh, with Phil. He, um, we have the same financial advisor, so we, we have some friends in common. So it's, uh, it's really cool. I just thought it was funny when they asked. You know, we just got got in that question about how, you know, which one's better. And as I was like driving home, little like I knew it was coming. It was only it was only a matter of time, and I was just like, so I I put a gif up there with just a baby doing like this. <laughs> yeah, so it's pretty. I saw I that. Mean, I I don't do it to be funny. I just like responding. I love banter. I love that some people take it serious because it like they'll talk about it the rest of their lives, and I'll forget about that tweet unless you remember it the next day. But it was a twenty four hour window. I mean, it's like 12 <laughs> hours <kidding>. ago. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. All right. Quick. And I heard this a couple of years ago. Um, and I can't remember the tournament, but Phil was with the Pro-Am group. I happened to be milling around the tee box. You had walked by. And then they're like, oh, what's Harold Varner like? And it was neat to hear as your buddy. And I, I know Phil on a professional level, but he was saying, oh, Harold's one of the great personalities on tour. Really good guy. So it was neat. To hear him with you not in the picture or around, I don't think he realized that I was even like happened to hear this conversation. But him uh, just 
saying very kind and positive things about you. And it's a guy that we both grew up watching play yeah. professional golf, and he's still out there. Dude, it's nuts. He's one in four decades. I saw a tweet on there. I was just like, man, I haven't been alive four decades. I'd like to broadcast in four decades. <laughs> yeah, I haven't won in a decade. I need to get my head on my ass. <laughs> hey, European tour. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Got that dub. Come on. Come on. I'm fired up. Don't worry. Um. Yeah, just, I mean, that was uh, one of those special moments in golf. You, you will likely forget. I'll always remember being on the call and and getting to yeah, so you get actually the winning part. The only thing I'm going to know is if someone comes up to me like, you know, 10 years from now, they're going to be like, oh, you remember this played at Kiel? I'm like, yeah, I played in it. And then I'll be like, oh, shit, I think Phil won. But like, no I'll, one. that one will be easy to remember. Um, mm. I just, man. It, and for those who want to see the final group, ESPN Plus has it on their featured broadcast, so you can watch all 18 holes if you want to rewatch uh, Are you only watching it by uh, – is it by the drone? Only – what do you mean by the drone? That drone that follows the group. <laughs> something. Uh, Phil's, Phil's favorite. That, uh, that, that drone, drone was massive. Yeah. Is that weird playing with the drone flying around? Uh, no. It, I'm literally telling you, when the wind's blowing that hard – You can't hear anything. It's just like whatever. Yeah. The only one you see is the one over the putting green, the little one that rides the little rails in the driving range. Well, Harold. Like, oh, the little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the that only one I'm yeah. up close and personal. So as a golfer, you always have to look left as a righty. Our next guest, all he does is look left as well. He's driving left. It's a NASCAR driver. Kevin Harvick took you a second there. Let's welcome in our next guest. Give me a Rep second. Day. I don't even know if you're paying attention. I was like, <laughs> you want to wake up feeling good every day? I mean, who doesn't? This product, I can personally attest, has had a huge shift in my day-to-day -day wellness. It's 2020 Immunity Booster. Two and a half ounce shot, handcrafted by sports dietitians, filled with essential vitamins and nutrients with none of the artificial colors or BS you see in sports drinks. I have it before I go to the range or start my round or even just to kick off my day. Get 20% off your first order. Ripping it 20, the promo code. Go to drink2020.com. For the first time on Ripping It, we are welcoming in uh, Kevin Harvick, uh, NASCAR driver, 2014 NASCAR Cup Series champ. Also, big golf fan, so... Kevin, excited to have you join uh, Ripping It. How are you doing this uh, Tuesday? I'm doing good. I uh, appreciate you guys having me on the show. Obviously, uh, we have we have some some great ties to the golf world, and it's always fun to talk about things that. Uh, well, I never know what's coming, so you guys are probably going to fire some some unique questions at me today that I don't hear every day. So that's always refreshing from a from a media standpoint for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's great so the question that we always uh start guests off with the last time you touched a golf club was uh the last time i touched a golf club was about four weeks ago in kiowa at the um at the the, the uh, pga pro-am that they had there so i think um i think i probably needed to touch the golf club a few more times before i actually teed it up there so it was it was fun um we've actually spent a lot of time in kiwa so playing at the ocean course was uh i knew what i was getting into i've seen some some serious debacles there and it was windy so that that made it um even more of a disaster for me so 
Oh, only thing <laughs> I didn't I didn't have to dodge the waves this time to, uh, to hit my ball on the back nine. So that was that was an accomplishment in itself. Did you you catch any of uh, the PGA Championship over the weekend? I did on Thursday and Friday. It was um, obviously, you know, the the ending was. Uh, it was good for the old guys. I mean, I, I think that 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 gives us all hope as as we uh, as we creep up in age. So, you know, it, it's always fun to to see kind of those those comeback stories. But um, and, and Harold may disagree with this, but from a spectator standpoint, I really enjoy watching you guys struggle uh, because <laughs> you guys make it look so easy. And when you have those even par, a couple under par type situations, it just uh, I know it looks frustrating, but it's it's uh it's fun to watch the challenge that it puts you guys through. Yeah, tell me about it. It was a great time to uh I mean, it was it was so hard. I mean, I didn't get to watch the end because I was driving home, but I mean, it's funny we were talking about like I was like, because obviously growing up in Gastonia, I, I follow a little bit of racing. I was like, man, this guy's been racing freaking forever, you know, like <laughs> and so I was like, man, he how old are you? I'm 45. 45. So. Yeah, so this is, uh, I guess this would be, I'm going to, I guess I'm in the middle of my 21st year. And, you know, for, for me, it's it's something that I started doing when I was five or six years old. And, and, and people always ask, well, how soon did you really know that you wanted to be a race car driver? Well, when you're 12, 13, 14 years old, you, it's, a, it's a pipe dream at that particular point, because you really have no idea what life is all about. Um but I was fortunate to to grow up in a racing town in, in Bakersfield, California. You could take Bakersfield and, and take it from California and put it right into Mooresville, North Carolina and fit right in with all the race shops. So um, so yeah, I've been at it a, I've been at it a while. And you know for, for me, our sport is 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 a lot different than other sports just because you're not so reliant on your body. I mean you still have to you know be in, in good physical shape and, and do the things that you need to do to take care of yourself because the grind, is really what what wears on you. And a lot of people, you understand this, but a lot of people uh, that that don't travel every week don't understand what the grind does to your to your life in general. And managing um, the things that you do, the places that you stay, the beds that you sleep in, the uh, the food that you eat is 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 uh, tough in itself. So um, I know that's way off subject from how long I've been doing this, but it, the, the grind is the grind is the thing that's that's the that's the toughest to deal with for sure. That's what I find amazing about Phil is like he doesn't have to wake up and grind, and you're probably in the same boat. Like what well, keeps you? H, going? how do you say that he doesn't have to wake up and grind? No, no, I'm saying because he's he's successful, he doesn't. Have, he doesn't but he said everything. everything. But, oh, oh, at this stage, he's done. He's done everything you can, you know, you can do in the race world. For, I mean, successful career, got like, it, got you it. know, and like feels like same boat, you know. So I, I totally commend you guys. I don't know what I'd be doing at 50 or 45 with this. You know, <laughs> I, I would like to say, because I love playing golf, I love what I do, that I would still grind. But like, I see a lot of different aspects when people that are, 38 39 in the golf world that are like oh, i just want to be home and be with my kids and i just know that that isn't going to pay for your kids to go to school yeah it well <laughs> and that's true right yeah you got you got to pay for your kids to go to school so and that's you know with the agency side of things that that we have that's that's really the hardest thing to explain to the to the young kids because you know it's like you have everything that you want you've worked your whole life to get there and then you get there and you want to change how you grind 
And that yeah. is the total opposite thing. It's what you got, what they got to figure out is how to grind and fit your lifestyle around it. Because you can't, you can't figure out how to change your routine and still be as competitive as you are. You have to, you have to figure out ways to challenge yourself and motivate yourself and, and still do that same routine um, and enjoy all the things that you have. So that, that's the hardest part about trying to teach these, these young kids um, exactly what they need to do because they just, they think that once they get there, then they get all the money and then they get all the things that they want. You can have anything that you want. You can go anywhere that you want to go, but they forget how to practice and they forget how to grind. And, and that's, that's a, that's a tough balance. The, I totally agree. Um, I had this guy, um, Sterling Sharp, who you may have ran run into a few times at pro ams, and when that I was had to be I guess twenty seven, twenty eight, and he's he's really big about like he asked me like what do you want to do? I was like, oh, I just want to take care of my parents, take care of my wife, you know, just live you know a normal life. And he he basically said it was crazy. I mean, obviously, I think he grew up pretty pretty poor, and he was like, protect your dream. You know, like that's always been your thing to be on the PJ tour, protect it the best you can. And, you know, I think it helps to have unbelievable people, you know, like yourself that have, you know, just been through those decisions where you're like, well, I want to go to my kid's birthday. You know, how do you make that work? And that, I think that's just so hard to balance. I'm sure I can't, I can't wait to figure it out, but it takes unbelievable people around you as well. Well, you'll, you'll learn that your kids are very motivating. My kids are very motivating because there's nothing worse than walking back in the motorhome and saying, man, dad, you suck today. And I'm like, what? <laughs> dad, what was wrong today? It's way more fun taking pictures with them in victory lane than it is walking in the door and having your eight-year-old tell you that you suck today. So um, for me, it's very motivating because Keelan is, uh, my son is, you know, he's, he's got a little racing career of, of his own that he started. Uh, over the past year and and now he kind of he, he kind of realizes that there's a lot that goes into it there's a lot of work that you don't want to do um yeah. you have to you have to exercise and you don't want to do that uh, so he sees he sees you doing all these things all these things and the next thing you know you're thinking to yourself well now I'm the example so to be the example to my to my son uh who's wanting to do the exact same thing I have to show up in the gym every day I have to show up uh, and, and be on time. I have to show up and, and eat the right foods. And you have to do all these things that you've been preaching because now he's watching. And, you know, to me, that was, that was very motivating, uh, making change and switching teams seven years ago. That was motivating in itself, but having kids, man, especially when they realize what you're doing and start commenting on, on the performance of, of how things are going, um, was very motivating for me. That sounds like a best friend to me. <laughs> and, and it is you know you know there's right there's no filter my wife is the same way she's she's got no filter and you can tell when she thinks you said something wrong or did something wrong but well you can't tell so you'll hear it uh because she'll she'll just um blurt right out and, and tell you like it is but you know aside from you know the newbies coming in and, and not understanding exactly uh what they need to do and how they need to balance that circle of life um you know, you have to have honest people around you. And when you're not doing your job, you need somebody like, I want, I want people telling me all the time, if, if they don't think I'm prepared, if they think I need to do something different, you tell me because it's, it's a constant adjustment of what you need to be doing, how you need to be doing it. And the world changes. And, and I don't think we've ever experienced it changing any more than, than it has changed in the last year and a half with, with COVID, no but it's, um, 
you know, it, it can also be very beneficial. When we came back from, from to our first race last year, I, that's the best shape I've ever been in in my whole life. Um, because of the fact that when we came back, I knew the circumstances were going to be drastically different. We were going to race a lot and I needed to be prepared and it paid off in, in a big way. So, you know, there's just, um, you got to constantly find those, those ways to motivate yourself and, and age is, um, you know, it's, it's a number and you can also, you can fall into the category of telling yourself, um, I'm getting old, can't do this anymore. You can fall into the category. It's, it doesn't really matter. I'm more experienced and, and. In our world, experience has a price uh, that that goes with it because it's so beneficial in, in today's environment with you know little amount of practice, being around race teams, and and doing this for a long time. What so would I'm you say? Yeah, Good. What would you say is the kind of like uh, equivalent for Phil to win a major at fifty? The previous oldest had been forty-eight. That just doesn't happen. I mean, it, it seemed like he had basically one foot in the golf grave, more or less, in the PGA Tour, and then is able to put together this amazing week. And he said a lot of it was uh, his mental focus had been the issue because physically training more, he can do a lot of the things that he did 10, 20 years ago. Uh, what's kind of the equivalent in NASCAR years? And then for you to get in great shape, what does that entail? Yeah, you know, I guess the, the equivalent um... – for Phil, you know, I think, I think, you know, winning, winning a, a major is obviously a, you know, really big deal in, in the golf world. And I, that would be equivalent to, you know, winning the Daytona 500 or, or one of the crown jewels here. Um, the shape thing is, is it like, that's a moving target. And I think that's a moving target and, and has different, um, different meaning for every individual. And I, I think it's it's really difficult to start if you're going to say, okay, I need to get in shape and I'm 40. Um, it would be it would be difficult to turn that around in a short amount of time, um, and and be able to prolong that because you know I think that that starts well into into the beginning of your career if if you're going to have a a long career and, and go about it correctly. So. You know, I think that the 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 hardest thing for for me, um, especially this time of year, is, is the heat. You know, so inside the car it's going to be 140 degrees. So dealing with yeah. that has always been something that I, I felt like I felt like we prepare for really well. So, you know, really when we when we start June, uh, all the workout equipment goes outside, and it becomes heat training. So we'll train at two o'clock in the afternoon. We'll run at two o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, we'll take the spin bike and, and be outside. All the exercises will be outside on the concrete. And, you know, that's just, that's just, you have to train in your environment. And, you know, I think that that train, that training really develops, you know, differently as, as you go throughout the year. And, and uh, for me, I wrestled in, in high school. So I have a, you know, pretty good idea of where my body's at, when I need to rest, when I need to hydrate and just being in tune with, with exactly where your body is and, and understanding if you actually need to rest day or is today a day that you need to get on the bike and, and have a, have a good recovery workout and, and do the things that it takes to, um, you know, to get prepared for the next week. So, you know, it just, um, it takes time. It's not something that I enjoy doing, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't like exercising. There's nothing about it that, that I enjoy. Um, I, I, I'd rather, I'd rather, um, do something totally different, but, you know, it's it, it's at least three days a week, and and uh, my go kart uh, is probably the best training tool that I have. So we'll, we'll take that out this week and, and ride it on Wednesday, and 
same thing, two o'clock in the afternoon, 90, 93 degrees, 91, 92, 93 degrees this week. So, um, but there's no exercise that I can do that's like riding that go-kart because it's just, uh, it's all, it's your body holding you in and, and it's, um, it's great exercise and it's a lot of fun. So that's my excuse to go ride it. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Love it. Um, our NASCAR, real quick, sorry, H. I was going to say our NASCAR drivers, athletes. That's an ongoing debate for golfers with Harold. Yeah. Um, and I would tell people, like, for me, it doesn't really matter. Like, I can I can drive the car and, and I can stay in the car, and um, but I'm not I'm not getting out of the car and jumping hurdles and um, you know running fast and I'm slow. I can't jump very high. I'm not athletic, but I can drive the car. So, you know, I, I, people debate that all the time, and I'm like, who cares, right? Like, I, I don't care. It doesn't it doesn't bother me. Like, I know I'm not an athlete, but I know I'm in good enough shape to um, perform. You know, to, to yeah. yeah, and you know, look, you're gonna you're gonna in the in the summertime, you're gonna sit in that car, and it's gonna be hot, and your heart rate, you're gonna sit in there and probably burn three thousand. 2,500 to 3,500 calories, depending on how many caution flags there are. And your heart's going to sit there and beat probably anywhere from 140 to, it's probably going to average about 146, 150, somewhere right in there, you know, for three and a half hours. So, wow. you know, that's when, when I first, uh, we, we did some stuff with Polar back in the day and, and we started studying the heart rate and I sent him my heart rate and he told me, he told me I needed to, the, the guy that, that looked at the data. He said, you need to do that again. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, we don't have anything to compare that to except for a marathon runner. There's no way that it can be right. So I did it again. And it, it, it varied a little bit from, you know, the amount of caution flags that there were so that your heart could, could come back down. But the, the first one that I sent him, I think it had, I think it had two caution flags in a three and a half hour period. And we, I burnt uh, 3,200 calories and averaged like 152 beats a minute for three and a yeah. half hours. And, you know, there's just, it's just different, right? You know, so the things that we, we try to, you know, control, you know, the, the in, and really control what we do in, in making sure that during these summer workouts that you sit in that zone, right? So you want to be anywhere from 145 to 165. And, and we really concentrate on trying to keep that heart rate up because that's the biggest thing that we fight are the heat and your and high heart rate. Um, so you have to train accordingly to do that. And, and it's just, it's real. Um, and, but it's not, you know, trying to have bigger muscles and, and run faster and, and, and do all the things that it takes to, to do other sports. But there's a lot of people that, that couldn't sit in that car for, you know, three and a half hours with a heart rate that high and survive and, and in the heat. Do you think golfers are athletes? That's my, that's my thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, no, no way. <laughs> no way i think i think you guys are in the same boat that we are right you're not you're not having to yeah. run fast you're not having Ain't to jump hurdles literally just yeah, walk through sand dunes that's it yeah you but you know the, there's a there's technique and you know and and you know things that that go with that that other people can't do right so yeah true but an athlete means you can run fast you can jump high you can dunk a ball well that's you your definition i yeah. mean if you type in athlete it doesn't say swing a golf club i tell you that yeah, it doesn't say hold a steering Not, wheel either. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I just, I'm pretty opinionated. I'm probably wrong, but I'm just telling you. Like the mount, like I'm about to play 
Well, it says an at definition of an athlete, a person who is proficient in sports and other forms of physical exercise. I would say to your point, if you're burning 3,200 calories, that would be a type of physical exercise. If you're walking seven miles, Harold, uh, that could be a form of physical exercise. So it's all up to your interpretation of how at you define At a snail's it. pace? I'm literally going like this. If you're yeah. on the clock, well, I mean, they're, they're hurting your alarm. Harold, you, you, could be, you could be one of those Olympic walkers. I mean, I don't, know how, I don't know how there your you form would be, but I'm thinking <laughs> that, that. No, I'm the slowest walker ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially around Kiowa when the sand. I mean, it's like walking on a dune all day. It's like it, they gave all the cart paths to the, you know, to the spectators. And it was like an easy walk. And we just walk like on the side of hills, like sideways the whole time. I just take my time. I, there's no way. I mean, like my grandmother would beat me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's um I don't know it's my opinion and people might change it one day I think it'll change when I get older when I have to do you know I can't be having like Chick Fil A like I had this morning you know it'll that'll change where I have to do things that actually I don't sacrifice anything I work out I stretch uh, you know I don't know I think you have a talent like you don't make it the sacrifices that Phil has to make at fifty and what he because I heard some like Herculean Phil diet stories from the Ryder cup, him eating eight eggs and six pieces of bacon for breakfast, uh, when he was at your age, basically Harold. And then the last two years he's dropped 40 pounds and does a 36 hour fast every week. And it, it becomes different. So I can imagine Kevin at a like a latter stage of your career, it's a heightened awareness for what you have to do to make sure you're finely tuned. Yeah, and, and you you have to you have to understand it, right? You have to, you have to understand when something's not right, and you got to say, okay, I need to fix this. And and a lot of people think it's just a lot of people think it's just your game, whatever your game is, whether it's golf, racing, football. It's not just your game. It's yeah. your finances, your wife, your kids, um, your friends. It's there's if something's out of balance in that circle of life, and that's what that's what I call it. And whether it's racing my kids my home life financials whatever it is like if something's wrong you need to fix it today you don't need to let it drag to tomorrow because if you let it drag to tomorrow then it's going to become a problem right now it's right now it's just an inconvenience but if you let it fester and you don't fix it and you just say i'll fix it tomorrow i'll fix it tomorrow no today is when you need to fix it because tomorrow you need to be doing something else and you need to move forward because it's uh there, there's a lot of things that that go on in life in general and nine times out of ten, the things that that affect uh, professional athletes that that you know drag them down, and and you know you you look at guys that that get drugged down. It's not the things that happen at their event or around their event. It's the things that happen away from their event, and the things that they don't do that they did, and the things that are happening with the people that they're around, and the things that are happening in their life that they that they just let fester into being big problems, and then mentally they're they're done. I mean that second one, the wife. That's that's the one I I know about. Whew. man, <laughs> easy. You better no, watch it. I, no, I I I I called my wife fat in a joking manner while she's pregnant, and you know I'd love messing with my wife. That's my that's my job to keep it fun, light. I mean, she calls me fat all the time. We look alike right now, so it's it's even funnier. So um, the second one's just very important. I don't have any kids yet, but the kid thing I think becomes hard with the, you were talking earlier with the travel, I guess they grow up so fast, you know, like you go away for two or three days and it's something new. That's the part I think that's going to 
really get me, I think. Just take them. Take them? Just take them. Absolutely. Just figure it out around them. You know, uh-huh. after you, after you get through about the about the you first six months. You tell my wife and, that. And let, let me <laughs> let, let me let me tell you something else. I did this, I made this mistake. We went through the whole pregnancy with with uh, Delana, and, and when she was having Keelan, and so we had Ke- She had Keelan. I can't say we. She she had Keelan, <laughs> and and I went to the racetrack the first weekend after after she had Keelan. She was at home. Everything was changing crying babies trying to figure out how to sleep at night the first six months is tough um and i i facetimed her while i was in the drive-thru getting a milkshake one day and she lost her mind so just remember think about what you're doing the jokes aren't near as funny when you do have to leave and she is at home trying to figure out that first six months walk lightly my friend uh i hear that I hear that. Um, I will take that to you know. Yeah, I'll, pro- I'll mess that up. I know I will. I'm- <laughs> so, That's awesome, Kevin. You're another Charlotte guy, correct? Yes. Great yeah, I was in the world. Just go ahead and say it, George. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw. I mean, your backyard is basically the envy of any golfer anywhere. Having a replica of the twelfth at Augusta. Uh, how did that come together? Yeah. So uh, we we. We moved to Charlotte and we were kind of renovating the backyard and we had this creek that, that kind of runs through the middle of the yard and had this ugly mound on the other side of it. And there's like, well, we can't really get the grass to grow over there. So I'm standing there and, and we had just gone to Augusta and I don't remember if we played or watched the golf tournament, but we had just gone to Augusta to, to do something. And, um, I'm standing in the backyard one day and I'm like, you know what? We should just put a golf hole over there. And, and you know, the, the green at number 12 looks like it would fit. And I'm like, oh, we'll never get the gra- grass to grow over there. I'm like, well, perfect. We'll just put synthetic grass over there and then we'll just blow it off and, and we'll never have to use it. So, um, so yeah, we built, uh, we built a little 50 yard hole. That's kind of similar to, to what uh, the 12th hole at Augusta looks like. And, and then uh, this year we added a, we had a golf simulator at home too. So, I have no excuse to not be decent at golf, but it's uh, it's a struggle for me to to find enough time to to practice. I can tell you that for sure. What got you in the golf? I needed something to do that was not noisy, um, away from everybody, and that started in about two thousand eight, two thousand eight, right around there. Where, I, like my my papa. Uh, back in the day, took me to the golf course for the first time when I was a kid. But I'd say 2008 was the first time that I actually started going to the golf course. Um, we, we lived near the Sedgefield Country Club and, and started spending a lot of time at the, at the golf course and, and really um, just going out and relaxing for four or five hours and hanging out with your buddies and, and getting your mind off of, of what you were doing during the week. So, you know, the, the camaraderie is sometimes better than, than the golf. Uh, yeah. whether it be on the golf course or after you're done playing golf. So, you know, for, for me, it's a, it's a good way to get away. Um, and, and really I enjoy the challenge of the game and, and when I'm actually able to practice and go to the golf course and hit enough golf balls, it's, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. But for me, I'm so competitive that I don't want to go to the golf course and, and absolutely bomb it every time that I go out there to the left or to the right. So I'm, you know, I, I have to, I have to I have to have a whole bunch of reps 
in order to, to play well. And when I don't get that, it's a disaster. So, but I, I enjoy it. And, you know, I enjoy, um, I, I enjoy sports in general and watching other athletes. Should I call them athletes? Yeah. You hear that Harold? Yeah, <laughs> I, don't know. I, I don't. I don't. Okay. Were you watching? I mean, the, were you watching the NBA playoffs last night? Then you know, might have to change. I mean, there's a lot of I flopping did. going on right now in the NBA playoffs. I don't like flopping. Oh my I, I god, it's the worst. Kevin, it's funny. It. Everyone we have on says golfers are athletes. We had a two-time super middleweight world champ on uh, a couple episodes ago. Golfers are athletes. A UFC former middleweight champ. He says golfers are athletes. So literally everyone except for Harold. Has said golfers are athletes. And the ghost well, thing look, about America, I'm with Harold. <laughs> I'm, with, I'm with Harold. Like, you ain't I'm got a boat, right? I, I'm, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm going to agree with Harold because I, I feel like uh, NASCAR drivers are in the same boat. Like, it's great that a lot of these guys want to go out and, you know, they're in great shape and riding their bike 100 miles and doing whatever that they do. Um, but in the end, they aren't running fast. They might be able to run a marathon or they <laughs> might be able to um compete in a triathlon or whatever it is but they're not winning and and to me i look at it when i hear athlete the only reason that we get included in the conversation of athlete is because we compete that's right? it like that's it we we're 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 competing um and we can we can manage ourselves to to compete at, at what we do but i don't know i i just i don't see myself i don't see myself winning a marathon so <laughs> how did you uh i mean you, you shared how you got into the game of golf i know you work with some golfers which is a kind of a, a big entry point to not only work your way into the agency world but then bridge the divide between nascar and golf what was the intersection there yeah so it, it started a while ago and that was with jason gore so Jason Gore was was kind of our our introduction to to the golf world and and for for um, for us on the, on the agency side of things at KHI Management, which KHI Management didn't really even exist at that time, it was purely an accident, and a lot of that had to do with with Jason um, and um, Donald Cerrone on the UFC side of things, and and they they basically were like, well, why don't you just represent us and just do what you do um with with my scheduling do you do everything like you do with your scheduling and and the things that you do on on your side of things so we just put them in our system we didn't hire any people we just used the same people the same system and and started um started down the road in in, in different leagues and so we really wanted to do something that was a lot different than the big agencies we wanted to be more of a boutique agency that um kind of gave you a menu of things to choose from because not everybody likes NASCAR, not everybody likes golf, not everybody likes the UFC. So you have to, you have to, you have this menu of sorts that you can say, okay, um, Anheuser-Busch is, is a prime example. We have uh, the Budweiser brand with, with Donald Cerrone. We have the Bush brand um, on my car and, and that, that I represent. And then we have Michelob Ultra in, in golf on, on a couple of the guys. So, you know, it's, um, it's great that you can come and, and, and be a part of something that that has different athletes. I will use that lightly, um, but true story. You know, I think, I, I, yeah, I think, but I think when when you have when you have something that's that's different than, than all the big agencies, and you can and you can have this interaction that's not really a part of your program, but um, 
not only can you go to golf, you can go to UFC, you can go to NASCAR. Uh, we haven't been able to do our, our foundation events and, and um, some of the events that we do that tie people together. We've, we've took some to the, to the PGA Pro-Am. Um, but you, you start, my point here is you start mixing and matching these sponsors and, and you start um, mingling them together at events that they're not a part of. And they start to enjoy the fact that they can go somewhere else and they can take a different clientele to a different style of event than, you know, just having one event that, that they're signed up for on the sponsorship side. And, you know, I think when, when you look at that, for, for me, I think our, we're really good at connecting the dots. And that's what I always tell people. You have to have a great network of people that you know. Um, and anytime you shake a hand or you have a new conversation or you grab a new business card and you say, okay, well, this, this, this company is a part of our family now. Well, you know what, over here on the, they would probably enjoy going here. Um, and we, you, you have to start connecting those dots. And next thing you know, this person moves from this company to that company. And you've got a new company that you're introduced to because you had a great relationship with this person uh, in the things that you did while they were over here at company A. And so for years, we've done a, I feel like we've done a great job of connecting the dots with people. Um, we do things that are way outside of what we're supposed to do in the contract uh, because contracts are, we don't even do contracts with, with the management company because of the fact that, you know, it's just, it's better to have people that are happy and like what you do because of the fact that you're doing a good job, not because you have to stay here because you're under this contract, but you know, our sponsors uh, enjoy the fact that they can go to events that they're not a part of. Um, and we, we entertain them well and, and we connect those dots so that the B2B side of things works for everybody. Dang, that's, uh, that's awesome. Obviously there's, there's so many things that people like and, you know, don't like, and I think, I mean, just what made you get into the, the agency world? I think it's, I think it's a hard niche to get into, you know, there's so many, this agency is so good, this guy's so good and blah, blah, but like to go try to tackle that. That area, yeah. I think it's very tough. Yeah, and I think a lot of them just do a bad job, right? So having a having having um, the view from the athlete side of the world is much different than the view from the agency side of the world that has no athlete, right? You know, so I have things that I want a certain way, but that doesn't mean that you know James or. Donald or Misha, you know, they want to have things a certain way, but we can, we can, we adjust that system to say, okay, you don't want to talk every week or you want to talk every week or you like emails or you like texts or whatever that is. And, and sometimes it's, it's all the little fringe benefits that come with just making their life easier. Right. So, you know, it's when you go to Vegas and you want to go to a particular restaurant and it's not very hard you know, to yeah. call the restaurant and say, Hey, can we make a reservation? It's doing the little things. And, and, you know, a lot of times the, the big things are already done, right? Because you're a good golfer. Uh, you're going to get a club deal. You're going to get a shoe deal. You're going to get, you, you're going to have the deals that come with doing what you do because you're good. And you have to maintain those relationships and make those relationships good. But it's, it's that circle of life that we talked about before, right? So, you know, having somebody help you take care of the little problems and make sure that you're not affected by, you know, your taxes being too high or, you know, not, not having, not having a car at the airport. It's all those little things that, that add up as you go through the year that one time you, you, you get out of the car and, or you get to the airport and you don't have a car and you're like, what, what in the world? And it just, it flips you out. And next thing you know, your weekend started off wrong. Uh, 
So we really concentrate on the little things for the athlete to make sure that home is good, travel is good, all the all the little things that are bothering whatever, whatever those little, you know, those little things that, that bother each individual. But a lot of that comes with being organized and communication. So those are those are the things that we concentrate on from from really focusing on the on the athlete himself. Who do you guys work with from a golf standpoint? Yeah, so so we have uh, well, we started with Jason Gore, and you know, we then we have um, James, uh, Han, Lahari, uh, Vaughn Taylor, and Chesson Hadley. So uh, we've got a unique a unique group of guys, and you know, yeah. It, but that's that's what you that's what you have to have. You have to have you know a group of guys that are personable and you know able to and willing to to go do things that are outside the box, right? Because you know, and I would say, especially on the golf side of things, things are much different. Like in NASCAR, everything revolves around the sponsor because that's the only reason that the car goes around the racetrack. So, you know, the hardest thing for us to find in golf was when you get done with your rounds, hey, hey you want to go do a meet and greet real quick uh, with the with the 15 guys that are that are that are here from Group X uh, from the sponsor and you had a bad round. You know, it's yeah, it's, like- you know, it's 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 just different right you know in the nascar on the nascar side of things like you know before the before the race you're doing sponsor 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 uh meet and greets or whatever it is and and then then you go race and so it's but it's constant so they're at your car before the race and you know you get in the car five minutes before the race and and that's typically in the past not not in the covid world but typically in the past you know you you that was your that was your five minutes of time by yourself like you're doing meet and greets and hospitalities and, and things before the race that, that come with that. So, so anyway, they're, they're a great group of guys, very personable. Um, you know, we spend, spend time together at the different events. Um, you know, I think as, as you look at just having people that want to help you connect those dots and that's really what the sponsors look for in, in today's world. Um, you know, are, are, are guys that, that are willing to have those conversations and willing to go outside of the box in, in what they've typically done in the past. It's a unique thing. I mean, it's been a crazy year for all that stuff, though, in general, because you can't meet those needs, especially on right. the, you know, on the golf side, because there's obviously no fans. Um, so it's, I mean, I don't really know how do y'all do all this stuff now since, you know, I don't have, know the restrictions on the NASCAR side right now compared to in golf. We're starting to – it's starting to – obviously, yesterday, there was no yeah. COVID. So it was, yeah. it was awesome to see. I'm looking forward to stuff like that. That's how it should be. I think you should have choice. That's always been my thing. Yeah. And That's you should be able to live. So I, I agree. Um, I agree. I think you should have a choice, and I'm ready for it to be over. I'm ready yeah. for it to just – let's just open this thing back up, and if you don't feel comfortable, don't come. That, yeah. that's that's really where i'm at you know it's 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 one of those things where i don't know what's right or wrong i don't know about Correct. you guys it's like every day yeah. i wake up and something's different so you know I, it was great to see all those people you know uh, on that on the 18th green uh walking down that fairway uh, i did watch that on on the airplane coming home it was and, wild oh it was, it was great you know i i you know and i i as i as i looked at our crowd yesterday all the parking lots were full. They were busing people in. People are ready to, to come out and, and for us being in sports um, and at events that 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 need people. I think we're gonna we're gonna highly benefit from 
um, you know, people being cooped up for so long and, and, you know, I'm ready to go out and put on a show for them because I, I, I think it's, I think it's, it's quite an honor to be able to be a part of the healing process of getting this whole thing back to normal and people are ready to come watch. And that's, that's a good thing. It's kind of scary though, only because like, it's going to be like one big party. You know, it's already a party yeah. before, you know what I mean? Now they're like, I'm out of the house now. Yeah. Well, I think you just have to embrace the chaos, right? Like I know, I love it. I love it. I mean, and, and and for for me, it's a little bit weird. Like you know, we we we've been in a in this for a, for a year and a half now. And last year we went to Darlington. Um, I won the first race back, and I got out of the car and I'm all jacked up and and it was dead silent. I'm like, man, this doesn't even feel right. I don't even know what yeah. to say. I didn't know what to say. Didn't know what to do. Didn't know where to go. They, they they did the interview and they said, okay, drive the car to Victory Lane. I got to Victory Lane. I had none of my team, couldn't celebrate with anybody. anybody. They took three pictures, handed me the trophy and said, all right, just walk back to your bus and go home. And I'm like, okay. So crazy. now now you're, you've got people starting to come back. And, and for me, it's a little bit strange because you're like, all right, do I sign this autograph? Do I not sign this autograph? Am I sign comfortable it, with this? I'm signing it, but it's still that awkward interaction with somebody as, as you come up to them um, as to what's the etiquette here. All right. Yep. I guess you're okay with it because I'm signing your autograph and you handed me your car, but I'm not really sure. That must be age because you're actually thinking about it. I signed everything I possibly could. I mean, yeah. I just think the memories that that kid or that person is going to have of you signing that is way more important than the other stuff. We'll just leave. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. And, and look, I'm way biased to the kids. Like as an adult, I find it a little bit weird signing autographs for for um, for Grow fan man. frenzy oh, fan sure. frenzy adults. Like, yeah, um, I love the fans, but I don't understand. I just can't grasp the whole frenzy. Uh, um, you know, from the adult standpoint, the kids, I look, I'm going to take them. I'm going to, you know, I've taken them to my car. We've, we've gone to driver intros together. I've, I've taken people's kids and, and taken them with me uh, on, on tours of the, of the infield. So uh, I, I love the kids and, and enjoy those interactions because you're right. You, those are the things that, um, you know, that, that kids, that, that kids remember and, and want to be a part of your sport for a long time uh, when, when you can have those types of interactions and, it's kind of like my own kids. You want to set a good example, and the, you know the kids, the adults. No offense, but you guys are already set in in your uh, in your ways and things that you're going to do. The kids, we can we can help kind of push in a, in a good direction. Kevin, we're going to uh, just fire a few stream of consciousness questions as we wind it down, and I would love to hear uh, what causes you're passionate about. So these will just be quick hitters, top of mind. Harold and myself will ping pong. H, I'll tee it up. We'll do a combo of a. Uh, like two, three golf questions, and then uh, two, three uh, racing driving questions. So I'll start you off with a uh, driving question. Last time you had to change your own flat tire. Ooh, it's been a long time. So I don't, I don't even want to talk about this because you know I'm going to drive out of here and get a flat tire in the middle of the highway, <laughs> middle of rush hour. You know that, right? So <laughs> knock on wood. Knock on wood. The last one that I can remember, I was my dad used to send uh, a friend of mine and myself off to, to drive the cars to the racetrack. So it probably would have been about nineteen ninety six. Uh, oh we blew gosh. a we blew a trailer tire at about two or three in the morning, and um, you know had to had to get the tire 
changed in the middle of the in the middle of the night in the middle of the, on the side of the highway. You're like Cal Ripken. That's the 25 year streak as a civilian without a flat tire. Yeah, well, you know I'm going to go get a flat. You know I'm going to go get a flat tire. <laughs> don't, please don't, please don't tweet that though. Don't invoke my name. <laughs> I want to come on the show again. Um, what uh, What's your favorite golf course? Favorite golf course? Well, uh, I'm probably. I'm I'm embarrassed to say that my golf game is is as bad as it is, and and I've actually played at Augusta, but it's really hard to beat Augusta, especially especially when they take you there and and they move the tee boxes up and everything's perfectly manicured. And when I hit my shot way to the left off the first tee, and it's in the middle of the perfect grass and the ninth ninth fairway, and I can hit it back over the trees and the perfectly manicured pine needles and who knows what the caddy's doing with the ball before I get there. So it's hard to beat Augusta. So that was a great experience. I love you love? rubbing that in. Yeah. <laughs> one day, <laughs> one day we'll I'm get going there. to, uh, what's your low round? Low round. I shot, I shot, uh, 79 at the, on the South course at Carmel, probably two years ago. That's the only round I've ever shot in the seventies. I mean, but to do it once, that's such a high bar for the recreational golfer. Like everyone remembers the first time they broke 80, if you've never broken uh, 70. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I have no idea how that happened. And I, it's a, uh, it would be far-fetched to happen today. You can answer this in two ways, age or when you're going to stop. When will you, when's, when you're going to call it quits and driving? Yeah. You know, I think I think when it throws when it throws a kink in into home life, probably, you know, I think as Keelan's eight now um, and look, COVID changed a whole bunch of things because now he's that's, he's, you know, he's homeschooled. Um, they're here every day. So that part is school is much easier to manage now that we're in control of it at, at home. Um, but I, I would tell you, I've got two more two more years on my contract and then uh, you know then you, you, you'll have to we'll have to start having some serious conversations about what we're going to do after after we get to about halfway through next year so a lot of it is going to depend on just where home is at you know from from that aspect and, and how the kids are doing and that's really how we went through extending this contract into into the next two years two years ago were where we were at I don't know that it'll have anything to do with age. I think it'll have more to do with the balance of my home life and where our kids are at. And last one, fastest you've ever drove. Uh, the fastest I've ever gone was at uh, Michigan International Raceway. And it was at a, actually at a test when they were trying to figure out some new aerodynamic packages. And we ran 221 miles an hour. And they waving a red flag, stop, 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 way too fast. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Two two twenty one, wow, that's oh, wild. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, my gosh! I can't even wrap my head around how fast that must feel. Well, it, it. I always tell people you never really realize how fast you're going until you hit something. So, um, you know, like this week, I got point. hit. I got hit this week, and, and I think I was going like seventy five miles an hour, and I think uh, Bubba was going like one hundred and thirty. It was in the rain. You couldn't see. The spotter said, check up. So I checked up a little bit. The guy behind me didn't check up, and he hit me in 130. 
it took the car, put it up. He drove all the way underneath it. So, um, so yeah, I mean, things happen pretty quick. I bet at that fast. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as we wind it down here, what uh, any causes or or uh, our charitable endeavors that you'd uh, like to share that you're passionate about? Yeah, so you know we have the the Kevin Harvick Foundation that that we've uh, really been concentrating on on doing more work here at home in the Charlotte area. Um, you know, last year, uh, year before last, we we actually renovated um, you know the, with the Cal Ripken Senior Foundation. We actually renovated the the field behind the Boys and Girls Club. Uh, we launched a program today uh, called Side by Side uh, with the the Charlotte Police Department and just trying to create some uh, you know some 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 quality. Uh, community interaction and, and really just, you know, try to, we, we, we're all about kids and trying to make sure that the kids are exposed to uh, having an outlet and having an opportunity to be able to do things that they might not ever otherwise have had the opportunity to do. We've had uh, you know, some great success with that program uh, in my hometown in, in Bakersfield. Um, started with the wrestling program. Uh, the vice principal sent me a letter in the mail. He said, "Hey, they're going to shut our wrestling program down." I'm passionate about our wrestling program at home, as as I felt like wrestling was probably one of the best things I've ever done in my life. Uh, in my four years in high school, I had a great coach, uh, great surroundings, and they were going to shut the wrestling team down over 1,200 bucks. And I said, "Well, we'll fix that. No problem. Um, you know, here's here's the money. Tell me what you need for now." We sent them the money that they needed to to go to the tournaments and keep the keep the team alive. Uh, so we had a we had a fundraiser in the quad. We raised eighty thousand dollars. We put it into a trust that was only usable for the wrestling team. And from that point forward, we really concentrated on. We have a great coach now. Uh, we really concentrated on making sure that that the that the kids had the opportunity to go do what they wanted to do. The kids don't have a you know the, a quality opportunity um because a lot of them won't come out for sports because they don't have shoes they don't have the equipment that it takes um we've read on the golf team there we have clubs shoes balls all on inventory at at the high school so that the kids can come out for for the team um but the wrestling program is a great example because now we have over 100 kids in the wrestling program we have kids that have left on college scholarships they're ranked in the state um we have a year-round program that allows them to come to practice in the morning practice after school which means you know they're they're just having quality interactions with with uh, a great group of people and and so so now you know the whole system is is in place they have everything that they need to to let the kids come out that that might not otherwise uh, ha have had the opportunity and you know now we're in a program that has you know 100 or so kids in it that that are that are going away and being successful and if they're on the wrestling team they're at school and they're getting good grades uh, because of the fact that you can't compete if you don't. So, you know, those those are the types of situations that we like. Uh, we have that, we set up the same thing with uh, um, the Charlotte uh, High School School District here. And, you know, we, we did that program with PGA Reach and, and we're able to um, supply golf clubs and golf balls and golf shoes and all the things that it takes to um, you know, to, to be a part of the golf program. And, and unfortunately COVID kind of interrupted that, but that program is sitting there ready to, ready to launch and, and, um, you know, in the next school year. So always fun to help the kids. That is, that's awesome. Obviously I always think that it comes down to access and 
I just it's nice to see that it's the same. And I feel like in most sports, whether it's wrestling or golf, you know, kids just don't have access. Yeah, and, and the kids are embarrassed, right? They're embarrassed yeah. to say that, 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 they can't, that they can't come out to play a sport because they don't have a pair of shoes. And that, that, and that's what I tell people all the time. Look, you don't have to spend a million dollars to go out and help your local, your local kids. You, you can go and say, hey, I want to donate my time and, and being a, uh, you know, a quality leader for these kids. Or you can, you can go to the school and say, hey, I want, to buy, I want to buy 20 pairs of shoes for you to put in inventory so that, you know, when you have a kid that, that um, you know, feels like he can't come out for a sport. These kids in schools shouldn't feel like they can't come out for sports because they don't have the equipment. It's not a hard problem to solve. Um, and, you know, I feel like sometimes sports are the first thing that, that people want to cut. But, you know, a lot of times some of these kids aren't coming to school uh, fed and sports gives them an opportunity to come to school early, um, exercise, eat, be in a quality environment um, and then stay after school and, and be in that same quality environment and eat and travel and do do things that that they don't have the opportunity to do. But the last thing that we need are, you know, I think sports is, is a great outlet. And the last thing we need is, you know, kids not having the opportunity to to, uh, to come out for a sport. And, and because of the fact that they can't buy a tennis racket or they can't buy uh, a baseball glove or whatever, yeah. whatever the sport is, it's, it's just it makes me mad. I, I get so frustrated with the fact that, you know, the kids aren't getting the opportunity that they deserve. Um, and, you know, giving them an opportunity to get to change the course of the path of their family uh, by going out for sports and, and being able to go out for that sport also requires you to do good in school. And okay. so if you're if you're if you're competing in that sport, you're getting good grades and that means you're showing up for school. And so we've really we've really tried to embrace the fact of, of having the equipment, having the quality of people. Uh, around these kids and and it and it's working and it works it works in the programs that we that we've done and and hopefully we can continue to do that and and we plan we will continue to do that as we go forward that's phenomenal kev thank you so much for your time brother great Uh, chatting good luck the rest of the year um i know at 45 it's a little longer than it usually (laughs) is but i know you're excited um I'll, I'll be watching. I keep up with it just because I see you guys every once in a while and see how you guys interact and stuff. And I mean, just go kick some ass. That's the plan, man. Same to you. And uh, I appreciate you guys having me on today. It was a good talk. I enjoyed it. Yeah, enjoyed it as well. I hear it all the time. George, you're living in Miami these days. You got to have some late nights and you wake up, you're not feeling too hot. Not true. And I'll tell you why. Tempo. Total game changer. Tempo supplements guarantee you're never going to miss a beat thanks to a formulation of natural ingredients and essential nutrients. Two versions of Tempo, Hungover AF, which I've taken, natural hangover supplement, and coffee, a supplement for clarity and focus. Check out both at tritempo.co. That's tritempo.co. Find your rhythm with Tempo. Use promo code TEMPO for 15% off your order. What an awesome guest, um, Kevin was just, uh, you know, super thoughtful old man that, you know, still drives a car. You really say an old man at 45. I can't wait till you're there and you're not going to feel so old. I'm- well, until I get there, damn it, I'm calling him old. <laughs> uh, so, no, Age great. is just a number. Yeah, that's what they say. We learned that yesterday. But yep. 
<laughs> I love how it's the number, but it's the first thing they ask. Hey, how old are you? <laughs> That's so funny. They're like, oh, I'm a he, she, they, and there. And they'll be like, is it a girl or a boy? I'm like, what the hell? Why does it matter? Yeah, so same thing. I'm just super excited to, uh, you know, just, to, you know, when we were listening to him, just how, you know, thought out his life is. You know, like, he's like, are th- these things got to be together. And he's obviously into a lot of things, which – I try to be into a lot of things, but I can't. I know I can't do it. I've tried it. Um, But for him to be successful and do it, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I think for him to juggle driving, his family, uh, an agency, and it's interesting to hear for Kevin or other successful people who are pushed and pulled in a lot of directions, having people that hold them accountable around him. And that, he was saying, was so important to him. And I can only imagine all the time commitments that he has to make. The only way for him to be able to do that is probably having that type of structure in his life. Yeah, it's but it's weird how he was so, like, uh, specific about his structure. You know, like, he goes, he's like, the finances, uh, his wife, his kids. You know, like, some people yep. want to just, they put that in, like, a broad, you know, at home life. He's like, no, this has got to be good. This, you know, yep. and people that pay attention to detail like that, I feel like, either are really good with their time or they're just like going to either it's it's either going to either it's going to going to go either way they're either going to not be able to do it or they're going to be like so on top of it and it was pretty cool to hear him talk about like you know i know he has a partner that helps out with the agency and stuff like that and how he knows what's going on you know like everyone like with my foundation i know a lot what's going on in the foundation like you know that's that's like my baby i'm very involved i enjoy being a part of it like we have a call tomorrow and i just like you know i'm going to get on it you know that's that's important to me how he is with the agency you know like i think that's like he's way more into his agency than i am my foundation i feel like i'm on top of my you know yeah i thought that was really cool what replica hall would you have in your backyard if you got rid of the pool oh never played augusta but i would have I design my own hole, replicate replicate my what I I, I don't know I would I, w- I wouldn't replicate anything really I would just like, find, I would find a hole where it would I would build a hole so that we could have a really good time we'll say that we're trying ah. to build yeah yeah so, like, so Jim Nance has the seventh of Powell in his backyard Harvick is twelfth at Augusta I would replicate HP threes number one <laughs> I would replicate sixteenth at Phoenix Open. Yeah, there you go. I have like I just always have like every time you go, you just grab something to play it in. You know, like either jersey or something like yeah, yeah, yeah. Have the music going. (laughs) That would be man. All right, I'm stealing that from you. (laughs) Open bar. It's got to be the same tournament conditions though. I don't want Phoenix Open in October when uh, there's no build out there. So they um supposedly um AT and T was like that had a really good vibe uh harris english told me that said they have a hole they're trying to they kind of built a hole like that obviously Uh, no one can replicate that but i just when you say 18 oh byron nelson last week oh yeah yeah i forgot you didn't or two weeks ago i forgot you don't play that tournament yeah i was working for sky sports uh yeah they actually had a pretty good build out uh on 16 17 18 so got it yeah harris you know like he brought it up i was like oh how was it blah blah and he's like dude it had a really good vibe and i'm like and when he says a really good vibe, I, we vibe on the same terms. So I was like, hmm, 
Might need to check that out. <laughs> <laughs> Caught your attention. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so how do you now unwind from an ass kicker of a week, then get ready for what? Cologne, like next three in a row, basically? Yeah, I'm going to play three in a row. Um, unfortunately, not going to get into the British or the... I can get into the British. I think you got to finish. You got to be top 20 in FedEx after US Open or after Travelers, not already in. So I'd have to, you know, just play well. Um, but won't play in the US Open. Um, well, aren't you going to play in sectional qualifier? I'm not. No. Why? Uh, because I'm playing four after that as well. And I'm just not going to. Um, but wouldn't just you just of- skip a tournament if you got a chance to play in a major? If it was that easy, I'd do that. It's not that easy because I have something to do at Travelers and something to do at Rocket Mortgage and just uh, you just yeah I just you know I said I was gonna it it was gonna work out really nice because I wasn't gonna go to RBC and then you would have two weeks off or you'd have a week off maybe you know and then you would try to qualify basically and you know you'd have some time off but I won't have any time off this summer if I don't you know so um, that's what I'm doing that. Got it. Um, it does sound like crazy to golf fans to hear skipping a, a sectional qualifier, but I get with your schedule. It sounds so crazy to golf fans because they don't know. And you know the coolest part is I don't have to explain it to anyone. We're independent contractors. Uh, yeah, for the most yeah. part. Yeah, correct. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Um, uh, so it's 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 an opportunity. Like obviously, I wish I was going to Tory. I've played so well there. Not, but it's our. Was that part of it? No, hell no, man. I'm a good golfer. I can play anywhere in the world. A straight ball of travel. Um, no, I, that wasn't part of it at all. I just didn't want to play. I I think I would get in. I'd play, So I'd play eight in a row. Not happening. No, actually, I'd play nine in a row. I'm working eight and nine, and I, I don't even have to hit a shot, and it's exhausting by the end of it. So yeah. – uh, understand how road weary you get um and yeah makes sense i think that something will happen where i'll be able to t- i don't work out it'll work out the way it's supposed to always that's that's the hope that's yeah the i'm hope. playing well so i think i will be i'll be where i want to be when it's all done nice well you got this memorial and then i'll see you at congo re so yeah we'll be circling up in a couple weeks well h uh, enjoyed it, my man. Play well this week, and we'll circle up next week. Sounds good, dog. I'm caught to my table. Peace. Yeah, peace.